Somebody's going to go bridge here. It's better time. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gone Bridge Podcast, Episode 10. My name is Andrew Gardner, joined alongside here with Steve Brady and Alex Clausen. Boys, how are we doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys? We're good. Living the dream, bro. Actually, there aren't just three of us here today. We got a fourth guest, Jared Carabas from mm. Barstool Sports in Section 10. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, I just got done doing trivia on uh, the dozen. So I think it was us. It was like Team Kirk Minahan versus Team Chicago. It's pretty excited about it. So did you, it, did you whoop what, their ass? Uh, I mean, it, it hasn't aired yet, so I can't say, but like, yeah, we won. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. So we just got, we'll start kind of slow here. We'll start like, we'll ask you a few questions and then, uh, we got some fun stuff to get into at the end, uh, a little segment called just the facts. Okay. Um, so we'll just get started with a, like a couple questions just about, uh, like sock space, how you got started, uh, writing for the Red Sox. I know we're, we all love the Red Sox, but how did you start, uh, getting your opinions out there and, uh, you know, getting your name out there? It's crazy. Like, uh, the 15-year anniversary just passed, and I think it's insane. Like, I think it's insane that it's been 15 years, and then, you know, I'm 31, so it's basically been half of my time on Earth, like, I've been doing this. So, like, when I saw you guys on Red Sox Reddit, I was like, that was me. Like, that's what I was doing. I was just, like, trying to figure it out, and like podcasting wasn't really a thing back then. It was, you know, like social media wasn't even like, there was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, like you had MySpace, And I was like, all right, I'm going to get on MySpace. And, um, you know, I, I had a friend of mine that was really good at coding. And so I had like a MySpace page that was my own. And then she kind of like dressed it up with like all like Red Sox pictures and graphics and all this like animated stuff on it. And, uh, then there was this Red Sox MySpace page that was just called Red Sox, but a bunch of people would go there and it was basically like, it was almost like what Reddit is now. It was like what message boards were. Um, people would go there and then like, they would just treat the comment section. Like it was like a live game thread and people like Red Sox fans would go there and like, they would just comment throughout the game. And then you would look at the comments on this Red Sox page and you know, that's like how we, like I met like a bunch of Red Sox fans that weren't from Boston on there. Um, and then like one day I get a message from this Red Sox page and the dude was like, Hey, uh, he's like, you know, I can see that like, you know, coding. No, I don't. My friend does. Um, and he was like, you know, you should take over this Red Sox page. Like I see you in the comments all the time. Like, you know, your stuff and you're obviously passionate about it. Like you should just take over this, this MySpace page. And like the MySpace page had like, 3000 friends on it. Like it wasn't huge, but it, it was, it was way more friends than like I had on like my personal one. Um, for social so media, I, I think definitely a good amount. Yeah. For, to just be handed 3000, you know, Red Sox fans, like it was pretty cool. And, uh, so then I had my friend, um, like kind of code and like dress this, this Red Sox page up to like, look like an official Red Sox, MySpace page. And she did that and it looked really cool. And then um, it started gaining more and more traction because I think people thought that it was like the official Red Sox. I mean, like it was like the unofficial official Red Sox MySpace page, but like it wasn't the Red Sox, but it was 
the place to go if you were a Red Sox fan on MySpace. It was like the first like professional sports team fan page. Like everyone else that had a MySpace at that point, they were just using either themselves to promote like, you know, their music or it was just like a regular like Facebook. Like it was just like you. Like that was the first like team MySpace page. And it kind of like blew up. And then like after people started seeing the success of it, um, like other Red Sox fans started making their like Red Sox MySpace fan pages. So I was like, all right, well, how do I make this different from the other ones? Um, And I was like, all right, I guess I'll just start writing blogs. Like, you know, you can't like, you're not going to have original writing on your MySpace page. But like, I, like I had never written before in my life, but I knew the Red Sox and I was passionate about it. So I just started blogging about games (laughs) and like, uh, it just like one thing led to another and it got, it got pretty big at that point. Like, it's crazy to think of now uh, as something small because like my Twitter, my Twitter is like 320,000, but like sock space at its peak was probably like 150,000. And like, I thought that that was like, I was like, Oh my God, like, this is, this is crazy because I broke it down essentially like, like Fenway at the time, it would be like 32,000 people. And it's like, you could, you could fill Fenway like five times with the amount of people that are on this MySpace page. So when you think of it that way, you're like, Holy shit. Um, yeah, I'm sure you thought that was crazy when you were like first starting out and like the numbers we're getting right now, we think is totally crazy. We're not even like close to that yet. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't even yeah. fill a section at Fenway. <laughs> Maybe one. But you'll get there. Like, yeah, you're on episode 10 right now. Like I remember, like, I remember like when section 10 first started, I think like our first few episodes, like I remember like we got like 2,500 downloads and I was like, holy shit, this is insane. Like, so like thousands of people are listening. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, group chat. That's literally what we're saying. That's yeah. literally like kind of around our numbers, which is funny. And we're like the same thing, like the day that you guys mentioned us and the day that we went on section 10, it was like skyrocketed. And the whole day we were like watching it like a Red Sox game. We're like, this yeah. is crazy. Like, yeah. I mean, we look at the stats from like the first like five or six episodes and it was basically just like us and our parents downloading it <laughs> and then we were getting like like i don't know who lives in washington state shout out lake stevens washington like they're a most they're listened to devoted fans like it's crazy and we were like, like holy crap like we got a, a third state of listeners and now it's yeah it's crazy we have almost every state covered yeah and i mean like that's the thing too is um you know, like when I first started out, all the older dudes were very threatened by me and it led to, you know, us butting head, not even butting heads, me just straight up going for their throat. And like, I'm like, I'm trying to destroy you. Like I'm trying to make you look bad. And I was like, I never, like, once I get to that point down, down the line, like I never want to be that person that scoffs at the people that are coming after me. And like, I saw, <clears throat> I saw you guys, and I was like, that's cool. Like there are three like friends that are Red Sox fans that are just going for it. And like, that's what I did. Like, I just went for it. Like I didn't have any help. Like I didn't have, and like, I didn't have someone like me to be like, Hey, let me put you on. Like, instead of like looking at you guys and being like, Oh, you're a threat to me. I was like, let's put these guys on section 10. Like, this is funny. Like I thought it was funny that when we <laughs> showed like the, the six windows, it's like, all right, there's Steve and Steve, that one's Coley. And then that one's me. And I was like, this is, this is funny to me. And it's like that next generation where like, 
I also, I kind of look at it the same way. Uh, like, like for whatever reason, people want me and John boy to be like arch rivals. I went to high school with John boy actually, or like the same high school as him. Funny. Yeah. Enough. Like, like, like it's, he, he's a good dude. Yeah. Like, he's a great I, guy. I, I've met him many times and like Jake is hilarious. And like, I love Ploof and like, for whatever reason, people are just like, Oh, there needs to be like a battle of the bands and like they, they need to hate each other. And I kind of look at it almost as like, like musical artists where if you like baseball, uh, you can listen to starting nine and you can also listen to talking baseball. Like it, you can like, like you're watching, like I was watching like the, the music video with what's his name, Sean Mendez and Justin Bieber. And I'm like, these two dudes are mega stars, but they're doing a song together and it's awesome. Like it's the same thing. Like it should be the same way with podcasts where it's like, yeah, you can like John boy. You can like me in Dallas. It's okay. You can listen to both and we can do stuff together sometimes. And when we come together, it'll be great. So yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not threatened by people who are doing the same thing as me. I'd rather like elevate those people so that they're on the same level so that we can all just like do shit together. Yeah. Can I give you a rundown of when I was listening to that episode of the section 10, that was literally just like hanging out. It was like, I don't know, 1130. And you said something about Red Sox Reddit. And I was thought, hey, I totally just posted something on Red Sox Reddit. <laughs> it's just podcast. This is Red Sox podcast. They're super young. I was thinking there's no way that he's about to talk yeah. about anything. You said something about Derek Jeter and Nomar, and I shot up like out of my seat and was like, holy shit, he's definitely talking about us right now. So I shot them both a text and was just said, go listen to this right now because you will not believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we were like, no way. And then we were trying to like tweet stuff out and we were like, we were on cloud nine. And we we're like, holy crap, this is crazy. And then like we were starting to like calm down. It was like three in the morning. We we're like, all right, we got to like, uh, like kind of, you know, like, Try and get some sleep here. And then like Relax, 20 right. minutes later, Steve texts us again because he kept listening. He was like, they mentioned us again. Like they named you. Yeah, right. you said our name. And I, was, and I didn't like, think you were going to say our name because it happened 20 minutes later. And I was like, yeah. holy shit. That yeah. was the, literally the best thing that could have happened to us. Yeah. And it was funny because um, like I had I had actually interviewed Steve Peral, uh back in March. Just like hit him up on Instagram. Um, you know, it was super small. I got like 20 views. Um, but I ended up, he ended up like, I, I had his phone number. So I texted him and I was like, listen, like you probably don't even remember who I am, but I interviewed back you back in March and like the podcast that you mentioned, like that's mine. And so I think it's just like, it's so crazy. Like we appreciate what you guys did so much. Um, and yeah, like it's, it's like, we're so thankful that you recognize that, you know, we at least know something about the Red Sox. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's, it's like a passing the torch thing where um, I got I, the same thing kind of happened with Robbie Fox. Like I'm probably, I'm probably 10 years older than Robbie Fox. But when I first moved to New York, I think he was like 18 or 19. And I just gravitated towards him because I was like, this dude is me. Like he's me when I was that age, like he, uh, he did whatever it took. He has his passions and he just like works his ass off to to get noticed and he he has the ability to try new things and if those things don't work then it's not like an ego thing he can just kind of throw that in the trash and then he tries something new and then like 
like that's why I, I love Robbie and it's because like that was me when I was when I was 18 I was just like whatever works like I'm just gonna keep trying new things and um like I didn't I didn't have that person that was gonna be like hey like let me take you under my wing or like hey this is how it's done uh this is what you should like try this try that like I had to figure it all out on my own like I wish I had someone that was like, Hey, or at least someone to like validate me. Like no one came in and was like, Hey, I see what you're doing. I think it's really cool. Like you're like, you're going to be like in this position someday. Like I didn't have that. So, um, like when I saw you guys, I was like, yeah, I mean like, that's cool that like they are, cause a lot of people will just straight up not try because they're, they're afraid like, Oh, we're going to put out like three or four episodes and no one's going to listen to it. Like, what's the point? It's like, the point is like, you are going to put out four or five episodes where maybe 12 people are listening, but you might catch the eye of someone and then boom, now you have 2,500 listeners. And then you grow it from there. Like you can't be afraid to not try new things or put yourself out there because you never know who's going to see it and what's going to become of that. Yeah, yeah exactly. We were definitely in the, we were in the same boat. Um, like I remember our first, when we started it, we were kind of like, all right, we're expecting like 15 people to listen to this and 10 of them are going to be us and our parents and like a select number of our friends. Like we were expecting basically nobody random to go check this out. And our first couple episodes were not good. Yeah, they were. When you listen back, we're saying, um, and like, neither was section 10. First few, we have nothing to talk about because we were in the dead of the off season. We had nothing to talk about. We had no idea what we're doing. And then we caught fire with you guys. And it was really kind of like this super lucky thing. Cause we were expecting to get 15, 20 listeners an episode. Yeah. For a long time. Awesome. Remember after episode like three, we all said, even if we get 10 or 15 people to watch this or listen to it rather, that would be unreal. That would be so amazing. Yeah. That these 15 people would decide to take time out of their day to listen to this podcast. Yeah. We, That's like, all we were shooting for. Right. Yeah. We had always like looked at this as, we all of the Red Sox, we all have, you know, different opinions on everything. So we'll record our show once a week. If people want to listen, that's awesome. If people don't want to listen, that's fine too. But like, we really enjoy the Red Sox. We are improving. We think we're improving. Um, and we had set a goal for, so we started like first week in November and we were like, all right, 50 episodes. If we get 20 listeners each episode, that's a thousand by next November. And like we're already well past that. And so just like already meeting that first goal is it's been really awesome. Uh, so that's kind of how we've looked at it. And the fact that like we caught your eye is just, again, it's been incredible. Um, I also want to throw out that I have looked at your MySpace and it is electric. I yeah. love the picture of your face photoshopped on Dustin Pedroid, like turning a double, turning play. A double play at the old Yankee stadium. Yeah. electric, Like 2008. Yeah. There's a website. I think if you go to Google, and you you google way back machine uh if you put in the url of my myspace page you can click on what it looked like back then okay yeah i also like wanted to ask you what happened to like the first 35 episodes of section 10 because you can't find them anywhere i don't know apparently they're out there somewhere uh i don't know where they are uh like there's also like random episodes missing and like people had like conspiracy theories that we took them down because there were ep like things that we said in the podcast that like we didn't want out there. Like I have no idea where those episodes are. Like I have no clue, like, like where they went, but apparently there's, there's like a, like a third party 
like podcast website that has all of them and if they're out there great i'm gonna keep looking yeah keep looking i mean they're (laughs) they're definitely out there somewhere but no there's no like there's no like explanation for why they're not on spotify i have no clue why they're not there i thought it was going to be like you guys had your first 30 episodes and you were at 200 and you were like, these suck. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, no, the first episode was for sure like super awkward and weird. Uh, the only episode we've ever recorded that never got aired was, um, I mean, you probably don't know who they are, but like they, these two girls, uh, we did an episode in Pete's basement with these two girls that we were friends Mom's with. Mom's basement, right? Pete's mom's basement and uh they had some interactions with major league baseball players and by the end of the podcast me and Pete were like yeah there's no way we can put this episode out so I mean it was cool that they told us all these stories but there's no way we're going to be able to put this episode out so yeah somewhere in in Pete's hard drive is the uh the lost section 10 episode from 2015 probably the other question I have is, are we ever going to get the strip club story? Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like maybe 2021 is the year that the strip club story comes out. Um, whenever, whenever we go to Fenway, like people will, like come up to us at the bar and they'd be like, "All right, dude, like I know you can't say it on the podcast, but like just just tell me the strip club story." Like we'll be at like Red Sox winter weekend at Foxwoods, and people will be like, "Hey, like." Uh, can you sign this baseball? And um, dude, what's the strip club story? <laughs> like, like I, I mean, it's, have you it's told not anybody? That I, what? Have you told anybody? Um, I mean, there, so there, there is another barstool personality who was there, but I don't know if he saw the story like mike grinnell of spitting chiclets was also there that night um but i don't think he saw what the strip club story is he was at the strip club at the time of the strip club story but i'm not 100 percent sure he could tell you the strip club story so i don't know fair enough um, one of the other things we wanted to ask you was work like, so once you got hired at Barstool, um, like what's the craziest experience you've had there so far? <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the strip club? I mean, you can come back to it if you need. Yeah. I mean, I would say for what I could share on <laughs> this podcast, definitely the parade day. Like that was the craziest thing of all time. But even that day, there, there are many untold stories of that day. Um, yeah, definitely the parade day. Like, that was the craziest experience I think I'll ever have in my entire life. Um, like, if I could relive any day of my entire life, like, that's the one that I'm picking, bar none. Um, yeah, I mean, like, it's, I don't think that you can ever top that. Even if I do it again, I don't think like you can beat the first time, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it is, but like just the fact that, you know, people will say to me, you know, Oh, like you're a loser. Like you celebrated in the parade, like you were on the team. And I was just like, dude, I am a lifelong diehard Red Sox fan. 
who not just got invited on the duck boat during the World Series parade, but like if you want to, if there was like a player on the team whose girlfriend got shit faced and celebrated like she won the World Series, then everyone would be like, all right, like relax, like it's your it's your husband's championship, it's not your championship. But for me, it was like there were Section Ten t-shirts in the crowd like there were signs that said stay hot rocket in the crowd so no i was not on the red Sox, but i mean there were plenty sprinkled within that parade route uh, amongst all the fans were many pieces of like the work that we put in that year you guys contributed to the culture yeah like it's like we didn't contribute on the field but like we did our part to enhance the fans experience that season. Like we tried to make beyond just watching the games, we tried to make the fan experience that much more enjoyable for everyone. And for that, like we definitely, like we got that back. Like it was cool because like, yes, Coley and I recognize we are not on the Boston Red Sox. We totally get it. But when we were on those duck boats, when we were celebrating, it was like, yes, we were celebrating a championship, but we were also celebrating like a year where, you know, we worked our balls off and saw so much growth with the podcast and saw like, you know, when you're doing a podcast, you guys know, it's just you three guys. Like you're sitting there, you're looking at three people. You can't see the 2000 people that are listening to your podcast. When we're sitting there doing section 10, we can't see the people that are listening to our podcast. So to have that year end with like, not only are we on the duck boats, but we can see the people that enjoy our podcast and like, they're pretty excited. <laughs> like we're excited too. And like, they're excited. Like that, that was, that was really cool. And I don't think a lot of people that were hating on uh, like, I don't think Coley really got any heat. Like I took the brunt of it, but um like anyone that was like, yeah, dude, like, I think you went a little overboard. It's like, no, I don't think I went hard enough. Like if I got to do it over, I would have got, I would have went even harder. Yeah. I was going to say, I think you can make a case that you contributed more to that team than some of the uh, pitchers did. Some of the back end pitchers. <laughs> Definitely more than Pomerantz. I was like, that's where I was going. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for I was going to, sure. yeah, no, I hold started. On, hold on very if you guys got on the duck boat, Glossin and Gardner, would you, would you lead me off of it? I was actually just I, thinking I, that. Not get to go on <laughs> I, I couldn't put that decision in my own hands. You'd have to. You'd have to. I mean, it's like, him to leave Steve off. <laughs> Steve, oh, you know what? Yeah, actually, we'll right, you yeah. Guys. I feel be, a lot better leaving Steve off now. It'll be the yeah. four of us, and then you two can like be at the bottom. We'll be. We'll wave to you guys. Um, yeah. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I started listening in um, like the off season of 2017, going into 2018, and. Mm. That whole summer, like when I think back to the 2018 team, like I think of dominance, but a lot of my thoughts from that summer go back to you guys as well. Like I have the it's time to party shirt, which I got signed by Eck. Like I have I have the David Price's good shirt. Like I have Mm -hmm. so many shirts from that World Series run that I look back at and it was just like the, the content was awesome. Everything went so perfectly. And I was even at the parade that day. And I remember seeing you on the duck boat and I was just like, let's go. Like everything, it was just perfect. Everything was perfect. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Like, cause I feel like, you know, if you're consuming the content, 
then you know like i don't know if you guys are wrestling fans but it was like it was like the the red sox games was like watching raw and then with me and hubs it was like watching smackdown and then at the end of the year like you had wrestlemania where everyone from raw and everyone from smackdown got together at the end of the year and it was it was wrestlemania it was it was this whole big thing like but you were able to follow the storylines of the team you were able to follow the storylines of section 10 and like the rivalry with hubs and all that and then it just kind of all like intersected at the end of the year and that was wrestlemania like it was just it was the best like i I mean that year was incredible and i don't know that uh i don't know how i could ever top that i mean like i guess if we just continue to grow and more and more people are you know because the live shows were insane like we were doing these we were doing these live shows at bars outside of fenway and they were like at capacity and, and like the crowd, it was like, it was like a Motley Crue concert. Like the crowds were rowdy for a podcast. Like we are a Red Sox podcast and the crowds were like, like, I don't even know. Like they were, it was literally like Motley Crue concerts, like how people, how rowdy people were and amped up. Like, and we're not playing music. <laughs> like we're not going to like start playing our instruments and everyone's gonna be like, yeah, I love that song. But like, we would just be like, Hey, here comes hubs. And then the crowd would just go nuts, like like hating on hubs. So yeah, it was, uh, I don't know that we could ever top that year, but it was 2018 was like the perfect storm for you guys. The Red Sox were the best team in baseball, not to mention, I have just thought about this connection where it was the let the kids play, uh, campaign. Uh You guys, I feel like went along really well with that campaign in a sense where you were bringing, a fun new dynamic to the sport that desperately, desperately needed it. Yeah. And, and I think 2018 was the year that I got press passes for the first time. So that kind of, there was a big turn where like when I first started working at Barstool, I, like I didn't have section 10. So like, you know, you have 2014, 2015 and uh, you know, like Barstool, it's like, it still is edgy, but when I started in 2014, it was more edgy and you would just kind of say these things and just go for the throat and not care about building relationships with the players. Cause it's like, well, why do I care? Why do I care if the players like me? I'm just going to tell it like it is. And I'm just going to like make a name for myself by being different from any other media member that's out there covering the Red Sox. Like I'll say like what the fans are really thinking. And that caused a lot of problems for me because <laughs> you know, you'd have players that loved Barstool and it's like, well, now I hate this guy. Like, oh, they hired this Red Sox guy. I don't like him because he tells it like it is. And like, if I suck, he just absolutely wears me out. Um, So it took many years for me to reverse that. And when I got the press passes in 2018, it was my first chance to be like, all right, guys, like, if you don't like me, here I am. Like, I'm standing right here in your dugout. If you want to talk about it, like, let's take a walk up the right field line. We'll have a conversation and, and we'll come back and hopefully things are smoothed over. And like, I had to do that. I had to do that with a few guys. Um, but it, you know, but I would say by May of 2018, I pretty much had a great relationship with everyone on the team. And, um, that made it that much more fun for me because in years past, it was, it was awkward. Like the Red Sox were in first place in 2016 and 2017, but it's like, yeah, like 
I don't know. I feel weird rooting for some of these guys knowing that like they, if they saw me out in public, they'd want to like beat my ass. <laughs> like you're on my favorite team, but we hate each other. Like I, that's oh. a weird feeling. Um, but then, in, then you get to 2018 and you start to mend some of those fences and some players leave that, uh, you know, weren't there before. And um, it's just much more fun. And like for that to all happen in 2018, it's like, yeah, like, you can go, you have press passes, fix the relationships, make new friendships. You know, like that was Alex Cora, Mitch Moreland, JD. Um, like a lot of those guys, it was like, I, I didn't know them really that much before 2018. And then you become friends with them. And the next thing you know, like that's, that's the seed that you planted to get on the duck boat at the end of the year is becoming friends with JD Martinez back in April of 18. So yeah, that makes me think of one of the early episodes of section 10 I ever listened to. I think it was right after winter weekend, you were talking about one of the players that would not give you the time of day or something literally was like talking like a lot of shit to you or something like that. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't say his name or anything. It's Heath Henry. Oh. What was it? It was Heath Henry. Was um, it really? Yeah, we were, uh, but like Heath and I are cool now. So I forget. I mean, like, I don't, I don't think I ever like, I, I never talked bad about Heath, but that's the thing that I learned through like experience was that it doesn't matter if you say anything about certain guys, like if you talk about their friends, then, then you're burning a bridge. Like um, I feel like that was one of the things that originally like caused that experience with Hembry was I must've said something about one of his friends or so. Like, I think it's, you go after the bullpen guys, like the bullpen guys are really tight. So like, if you say one thing about a reliever that sucks, like you're probably in bad shape with the rest of the guys in the bullpen. So um, I don't know who it was that I was probably wearing out that was a reliever, but it wasn't, it wasn't Hembry. And then we were at winter weekend and I mean, like he was hammered. I was hammered too. I almost like walked into him. Like I didn't even realize that he was there. Um, and then like, we were kind of just like face to face and I like looked up, I was like, Oh, you're Heath Hembry. And he was like, yeah, like and your, your TMZ. And I was like, I was like, nah, I was like, I was like, no, I'm, I'm barstool. And he was like, yeah, but like you're TMZ though. And I was like, fuck out of here. Like, no, I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm not going to like follow you around to try and get some salacious story about you at a casino. Like, I don't give a fuck, like live your life, like do what you got to do. And like, since then, like we, we're like totally good now. Um, and it wasn't like we had a conversation about it. It was more just like, I think over time he saw what I was about. Um, and like that opinion kind of changes when you just set an example of like, Hey, I'm actually not out to get you guys. Uh, that's not my bag. Like we're out here to like make dick jokes and have fun and like have players on the podcast to showcase their personalities so that fans have, even more of a reason to root for these guys. Um, So yeah, that's, it took time, but we got there. Yeah. Steven Gardner. I mean, I don't want to speak for everybody here, but we got a lot of work to do with this Red Sox bullpen. We're 10 episodes in and we're digging a pretty deep hole here. Yeah. Yeah. If Matt Hall has heard any of our team for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Matt Hall and I are not good friends. Yeah. I was going to say, I think the, the one guy we can agree that no, nobody likes is Pablo Sandoval. And I was going to ask you um, just, so I I don't remember, was it 
like 15 or 16 when you discovered that he was liking pictures on Instagram during the game. How, how did that, like, how was that whole experience? Um, so I had like just broken up with my girlfriend and uh, I was looking at the, the, it doesn't even exist anymore, but the discovery page to see if she was liking any dudes pictures, like after we broke up. So it's like, it'll be like this person like that photo or this person followed that person. So I was looking at it. I was like, did she, she like anything? Has you know, she fallen any dudes yet? And then I see Pavel Sandoval likes Diva Legacy's photo. And I was like, I was like, that's weird. I was like, wait, what? Like, and I looked up at the TV. It's the seventh inning. I was like, Pavel's playing in this game. Like the Red Sox are in last place. This dude just got $95 million. And then I clicked on the picture and it's like some girl with like huge boobs. And I was like, this dude is just like in the clubhouse right now, just like scrolling Instagram, like liking pictures of like girls with huge boobs. And then I remember like I screenshotted the picture and tweeted it. And I was just like, not to blow up his spot or anything, but is Pablo Sandoval on Instagram right now? And then everyone was like, not to blow up his spot, but immediately blows up his spot. I was like, yeah, but who cares? Like, I don't like this guy. Like, I, like even back then, I mean, it, we were what, three months into the Pablo Sandoval tenure of, in, in, in Boston. And I was like, I hate this dude. Um, so that goes like super viral. Like they're talking about it on Boston sports radio immediately. Like it wasn't even um, like it was, <laughs> it was like, before the game was even over, they were talking about it on the radio. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I want to say they were talking about it on the radio all day the next day to the point where like they couldn't ignore it. And Pete Abraham, that piece of shit, he, he like reached out and he was like, yeah, it's his brother. It's not Pablo. It's his brother. And I was like, okay. Like, uh, I was like, you, first of all, you don't know that. Um, but I'll include in my blog that, his brother also has access to his Instagram account. Like I'll note that he, I'll give him the out. Um, and then the next day, like Pablo like admits it. And he was like, yeah, like I made a mistake. Like, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then they suspended him for it. <laughs> um, so then like, I, I, I remember emailing Pete Abraham back being like cough, cough. And he was like, yeah, like stay humble. And I was like, <laughs> Dude, fuck you. Like, you yeah, tried he's to the worst. Me. You were wrong. Like, just say, hey, my bad. I was like, I was dicking around. Like, that's like back when, like, we have like a whatever type of relationship. After that, I was like, this guy sucks forever. He's the worst person. Um, so, yeah, Pablo admits to it, gets suspended. Um, and that, that was really the, you know, the tragic end to our, to our relationship. Like, we were pretty good pals before that happened. And, uh, you know, never really did recover. And what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Did he also drink Coke in the dugout? Was that, was that true as well? Or Yeah, that was a, a former teammate of his told me that, um, that he used to uh, like those green with the orange, the Gatorade, like sippy cups with the orange tops. Um, he used to fill those up with, with Coca-Cola and he would drink it during the games. And then like, like would have to like leave the game because he was dehydrated and everyone was like, dude, you're, you're drinking soda during, <laughs> during the game. Fan, uh, fan fans love him though, for some reason. I, yeah. I mean, like he won there and, and for whatever reason, like they're, they're giants fans. I don't, I don't get it. If, if you're a giants fan and you come at me 
for talking about Pablo. Like, I understand that Pablo had success in San Francisco. I'm from Boston. So don't defend Pablo to me because you should, as a baseball fan, recognize we love Pablo. And I understand that you love Pablo. I'm not going to come at you being like, why do you love this guy? I get why you love that guy. But you as a Giants fan should understand why I hate this guy. And we can just call it a, call it a clean understanding here. But no, Giants fans will come after me all the time being like, leave Pablo alone. Like, he's a great person. No, he's not. Uh, and, you know, he's, he means so much to the city. It's, that's great. Celebrate your, your fat uh, infielder in San Francisco. We here in Boston don't take kindly to players taking $95 million and then saying that they have nothing to prove putting on like 60,000 pounds and producing negative. Like literally he, his production was in the negative. You're talking about wins above replacement. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Some, some Giants fans just don't get it. Some do, but not all. He broke his belt too. Don't forget that. He did. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment I knew Pablo Sandoval wasn't going to work out. Yep. Was that the moment, really? It, it was. It I remember that watching long. that game and, you know, huge swing and miss, like not even close. Could, he could have brought an aura up to bat and you would have hit it. Did he pinch hit for that at bat? And then uh, I forgot. I don't even Anyways, remember. He had, like yeah. huge swing and miss. Goes down swinging, belt comes flying open. I'm like, this guy is just – get him out of here. I gave him way too much faith. I saw that he lost all this weight. And then he'd get to the season and he'd start pounding donuts again. I think that was a hope, honestly. I don't think he lost that much weight. He's yeah, sucking yeah. in his stomach on Instagram. So one other thing we wanted to ask you about. We are you how close are you with Trevor Bauer? Very. Oh. Probably Very. too close. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> like he's Trevor, Trevor Trevor's relationship, like he's he's the type of dude that uh like I can just call him at any hour of any day and he'll probably pick up. Um yeah, we talk pretty often. But, like, I can just, like, call him on a whim, and that's not, like, an abnormal thing. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes then. Um, so, we I – don't, I don't know if you had seen anything about um, – I don't know. There's, like, all this foreign substance, like, talk around him and, uh, like, with RPMs and him and Garrett Cole and maybe, like, sabotaging anything. Like, do you know anything about that? Or, like, I, I mean, we probably sound as crazy as, like – Hold on. Because – Yeah, Steve, you can explain right. a little better. The Reds, in out of every franchise in the entire league last uh, last season, highest spin rate in the league. Mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer, highest spin rate increase from season to season of all time. Mm-hmm. In like 2018, Trevor Bauer tweets out, I have morals. If I wanted to increase my spin rate, I could. And this is what my stats would look like. Last season, that's what his stats kind of looked like. But not even just that, they looked better than that. And our entire last episode was based around this. So if you have anything you'd like to say about it, please do. Yeah, I, I saw the YouTube video. Uh, it was like why Trevor Bauer is cheating and no one cares or something like that. Um, Trevor yeah. Bauer. Yeah. So like Trevor Bauer is very smart. Um, he's a unique brain. I usually, I word it differently every time he's, He's a weird brain. He's a unique brain. Um, he's kind of like this, uh, this evil mastermind, but there's always like a method to his madness. Everything is very calculated. Um, so yeah, I mean like when you go back and watch that YouTube video, I mean, it tells you everything you need to see right there. Like Trevor Bauer was telling people 
when Justin Verlander went to the Astros and Garrett Cole went to the Astros, like, Hey, uh, these guys are doing something to increase their RPM. And if I do that, I could increase it to X and it ended up being Y and Y was higher than X. So, um, and then there was like that time where he just to prove a point, he did it for one inning and he was like, yeah, like, I, that he did do it. Huh? Are you saying that he did do it? I'm saying that for that one inning, I would say, yeah, he probably, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Like I've never asked him about it. That's, that's one way to, uh, to get a player to stop responding to you. I let, I let people say what they want to say to me because, um, you know, play, like not just Trevor, like there are many players who will say things to me that they would never say to a media member. They would never say it on the record, but they will essentially like vent to me because they know that A, I care. B, I'm knowledgeable enough to carry on the conversation. Like I know what they're talking about. Um, so it's not gibberish to me. And C, they know it's not going anywhere. And guys, like I'll, I'll, I can tell when it's happening. Like guys will say stuff to me. I'm like, this is a test. This is a test. Like they're telling me something. And if this something uh, goes nowhere, if this doesn't pop up uh, by some other journalist, how like journalists will trade information with each other for favors and stuff like that, uh, or they'll sell information or whatever. Um, if this doesn't pop up somewhere, then I know that I can trust this guy. And I would say that hundred percent of the guys that talk to me come to that conclusion by the end of the conversation where they're like, yep. Um, you know, I can pretty much say whatever I want to this dude. And I know that this is, this is a steel trap. It's not going anywhere, but with Bauer, I mean, like just from watching that YouTube video, um, yeah, I think like knowing him, knowing his personality, he wanted to prove a point and he was like, all right, yeah, peep my RPM and like whatever inning it was like the fourth inning and it just spiked up and then it came back down. It's because he was probably using whatever sticky shit he was using. And yeah, I think we're definitely at a point in the game now where a, a, a vast majority of pitchers are using some sort of sticky substance. And I think the league knows that. Um, I think the hitters know that. And I don't think that there is um, – I don't think that there is any sort of rush or – like there's no need for the league to do anything about it. I think if anything, they would just, they would legalize it. I feel like that's the solution because if you don't guys are going to continue to just use it. And I feel like not a lot of like position players are not going to complain to the league. Like position players are not because their guys are using it. Yeah. Like if you're, uh, you know, if you're a hitter and you just punched out on four pitches and you look terrible, you're not going to immediately like call up Rob Manfred and be like, Hey, that guy on the mound was using sticky shit. It's like, like when a crack down this. they can't complain about the strike zone. Yeah. So everyone's going to keep quiet on like, who is going to rat? Who's going to be the rat? Who's going to be the person to complain to the league? Right. Well, that, yeah. That. No, that's the thing is that managers know that people are doing it and it's like a domino effect. Once one person does it, then, yeah. you know, another team, like you don't want to be the one guy to call someone out. And I think in the video it showed like 
some pitcher used to pitch for the Nationals getting pissed at Davey Johnson because, like, yeah, like, why would you do that? It's one way to lose your your own clubhouse. Right. If you're a manager and you go and rat on the other team for using sticky shit, well, guess what? Now the dudes that you have in in your own bullpen that throw 97, they don't throw 97 anymore. And now they don't like you because – because you just took away their secret, their secret weapon. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I like, I, I think it's it's fun for baseball fans to look at the data and think that they've you know solved this this crazy riddle or mystery. It's it's not a mystery. I feel like guys, as long as they are subtle about it, which I feel like a lot of them are, they'll either put it like like Garrett Cole like puts it back here or he'll put it here. Um, a lot of guys will put it on their forearm. Some guys put it in the glove, like right here. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, as long as you're not egregious about it, uh, I don't think that there's going to be someone that just comes right out and blows the lid off the thing and you can't blow the lid off the thing because the commissioner knows, (laughs) like, it's not, it's not like Rob Manford is sitting there being like, what? They're doing what down well, there? Like you say that, knows. and our entire be. last episode, like I said, was about this. So we were talking about it. So put put on your tinfoil hats. We were talking about Trevor Bauer and how he hates Rob Manfred and he hates the Houston Astros, and that he's going to be the one that blows the entire lid off this thing because he's asking for a one-year deal, or that's what he was seeking at the very beginning of uh, free agency. He was asking mm-hmm. for a one-year deal with a high value. He's going to play the season, make it painfully obvious if it wasn't already before, which it was painfully obvious that he's increasing his spin rate. He's going to say, these guys are doing it. These guys are doing it. These guys are doing it. Rob Manfred knows they're doing it. He's not doing anything about it. Get him out of the commissioner role. Do whatever you want to do to me because I have all these social media followers. doesn't really matter to me. I can do this. I can write a book. I can do whatever I want to make he money. Can go to, he can go to Japan. He can go to Korea. It right. doesn't, like he yeah, would do that. So, like he, he he's the one to uh to sing he wants to be a he just he wants to be a global superstar he could just literally pick up and go to i mean like baseball is a religion perfect opportunity too yeah i mean he yeah like i wouldn't put anything past that man to nothing he could do would ever surprise me um but yeah i think i think the league is very much aware of like the guys that use it and you know, the data supports it. And um, you know, if you're not fielding complaints from people, then, I mean, like, do you think that there's a team out there that just is like not using sticky shit? Like, no. Yeah. I mean, they probably were like, they were probably like asking the clubhouse guy for, it, and they were like, you suck. Like, you don't need this. <laughs> <We're not laughs> like, yeah. There's Too literally good for no it. point to you using it. But yeah, I mean, like we've, we've done, um we've done spring training tours and gone in clubhouses and it's just sitting right there like you can fucking see it like it's they're not they're not trying to hide this it's not this isn't steroids um you know and i i think i I forget who said it but i mean there were definitely if someone said i would rather face a guy that's on steroids than a guy that's using sticky shit like it's more like power said that it's more of a advantage to players to use for to use pine tar than steroids yeah and a lot of tweets a lot of tweets yeah but i mean as someone that's been in big league clubhouses they're not they're not putting it in different cans to try and hide it like it's just there 
and people know it and it doesn't matter. And yeah, I, I have no issue with it. And, you know, if you're a baseball fan, I would love to hear your argument like against it. I mean, you want your pitchers to pitch better and you know that it's not one of those things where it's steroids in today's world where the guys that are sneaky on something, there aren't a lot of them, but the ones that are, it's like, how are they getting away with this? And he's having this great season out of nowhere. And this is an unfair advantage because like our guys are smart and they don't want to get caught. Like that's not this, like pretty much every pitcher is using some sort of substance. Um, So yeah, I have absolutely no issue with it. And I love it. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of pitching ninja, like how do you how do you think these guys are up there throwing frisbees? Yeah, <laughs> like, Alvarado's like, curveball is like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's, it's you know, these like Babe Ruth would shit his pants and die if he saw some of the stuff that the pitching ninjas tweeting during baseball games, and it's because you know we've just evolved as human beings and athletes, and there's just different ways to to get those types of results on your pitches. And as a baseball fan, I'm all for it. Like that's why. Like, like the people are like, Oh, that's weird that you love like the steroid guys. Yeah. I love monster home runs and I love 102 mile an hour fastballs and wipeout sliders that break 20 feet. Like, yes, I like watching that stuff. I don't care if, uh, if, if athletes are using substances to attain those results, me as a fan, is anyone dying? No, like it's, I don't care. I want the highest entertainment value possible. I don't yeah, care what exactly. these guys are doing to attain that. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, I like, I agree. It's not like steroids where it's, um, you know, like a select few using it and then it's so much more um, of a, like an, an advancement for them. It, I mean, everybody's using it um, and it's uh, yeah, it's pretty painfully obvious. Um, all right. So we got two more things we want to get into here. We got, we'll end with hot takes. Uh, but right now. What a surprise. Oh, Steve! They, they just jumped us with it. We were gonna jump Jared with it, but guess not. Anymore. Oh yeah, true. That's Damn. my bad. Yeah, Coley was. I always have hot takes ready to go. You can't spring that on me. So, anyways, we all know we the four of us hate the Yankees. Uh, so we got we got a little. I segment. don't hate the Yankees. I I I love all thirty teams equally. All right, fair, very unbiased, very mm-hmm. unbiased. Um, so we got a little segment here called Just the Facts. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna read off a couple things here. You have to tell us if it's a fact or if it's not a fact. Okay. All right. So I'll, uh, I'll start it off. We're going a little, uh, going a little, uh, circle here. Okay. So, uh, David Ortiz has more career stolen bases than Aaron judge. Mm. I would say, Oh man, he, he basically gets like, like one or two a year. <laughs> they're usually just like stand up stolen bases because they didn't even bother throwing down. Cause they were so surprised that he took off. Um, I'm going to say that that's a fact. The fact. Yeah. David Ortiz <laughs> has uh, 18 and Aaron judge has 17. Damn. So uh, it's a little, little crazy, uh, crazy thing there. Steve, you want to hit us with another yeah, one? Sure. Uh, this is one of you know, the things that, uh, could go either way. So we're all familiar with Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. If you're mm-hmm. a baseball fan, I'm sure you know what's that I'm going to bring up right now. Ted Williams' uh, batting average was higher over the life of Joe uh, DiMaggio's 56-game. You know how, by how much? Uh, like exactly. Mm, like it was like around 20, but like between 
between 15 and 20 points. I think it was from the thing I pulled up was from 414 to 4 like 03. Yeah. So yeah, around there. 11 points. Yeah. Ted Williams, best pure hitter. That of all is time. a fact. If you That's, are yeah. a Red Sox fan, you should know that. You have to know that. Clawson. All right, you ready for another one? Let's do it. I'm ready for another one. This is a good one. Who has more career strikeouts? Jason Veritek, Giancarlo Stanton. Oh man, I mean, that's <laughs> wow. Um... So I'll give you a, I'll give you a little help here. Tech played 14 years. Stanton's played 10. So it's it's oh, kind of great. definitely Stanton, definitely by 186. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like I thought I thought it might like I didn't know Veritech played fourteen years. I was gonna say like I thought it was gonna be like seventeen to eight in terms of seasons played, and then would have to go Veritech. But yeah, if if Veritech has four more seasons played, then Stanton has still struck out an abundantly uh, more times than Jason Veritech. He's gonna he's gonna break Sheffield's record with flying colors. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's breakable. Oh yeah. I'm going to stick with Stan here. I got another one. Okay. Uh, this is like a true or false one. So true or false, Giancarlo Stan holds the record for most strikeouts in a single day. In a single day. So like, like now we're talking like doubleheader. It he could struck be. Out, yeah. Like, he struck out like, what did he strike out? Like nine times? Eight. Eight, which is the, the all-time record in uh in one day which yeah. included a uh, platinum sombrero i think they had to like open up a whole new category like, of that i coined a new term for it yeah yeah so he in 2018 he struck out five times in a game twice in i think it was like within like the first like seven or eight games of the season and it was the first time since the in in the live ball era that someone had done that. And I thought for sure he was going to strike out five times in a game multiple. And that was it. He had the two five strikeout games and it was both like in the first couple of weeks of the season in 2018. That's where like you hate to see it started. Was that good? Oh, hate to see. The more strikeouts, the better, right? In a game. Yeah. I mean, like you're not grounding into double plays. It's <laughs> a good okay, point. This next one, it's going to be a two-parter because uh, it involves the same people. Uh, Martin Perez and Garrett Cole both started – the same amount of games, 12 games, who ended the season with more home runs given up? That would be Garrett Cole. Uh, By a, a, kind of a wide margin. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett Cole gave up, I want to say, the most home runs in the majors last year. 14. I think he was second. And, and yeah. it was first for a while. Yeah. Martin yeah, Perez, only eight. Thanks. Yeah, I mean. Why everybody loves Perez Day. Dude was an ace. <laughs> We just let him go. He didn't fit the bill of the Red Sox. Crazy. So, Gardy, you want to go back to that uh, second part of this question? Yeah, I'll um, I'll finish this off. So, Jared, you're not going to have an answer for this one. I'm going to have to tell you a quick little story. But uh, Garrett Cole apparently loves doing yard work. He's a big, big yard work guy. So, I was at work this past summer. I was wearing a Red Sox hat, and this guy comes up to me, and he was like, hey, do you know who Garrett Cole is? I was like, yeah, of course I know Garrett Cole. So I live in Connecticut and Garrett Cole lives on the, like in Greenwich, which is like right on the coast of Connecticut. It's pretty close to New York city. So he was like, all right, I was, I was taking a walk around this neighborhood down there. And this guy is out on his hands and knees in the dirt, like picking up his mailbox. And he's like all like 
disgruntled and everything. He was like pissed. So the guy goes up to him. He's like, you need any help? And he's like, ah, he's like, I shouldn't be having to do this. And the guy was like, he was like confused. He's like, yeah, I pitch for the Yankees. The guy was like, sorry, I don't know who you are. He's like, I'm Garrett Cole. And he's like, like picking up his mailbox. Someone hit it with like a truck. And, um, I thought that was just a, a hilarious story that so like, he's he's above picking up his own mailbox. Is that is that what he said? A billion dollars. So a billion dollars. You can probably get somebody to do that for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you uh yeah, I mean like I don't even do my own laundry and I don't make that money. So I also loved the fact that this guy had no idea who he was and completely humbled him. I definitely and, grinds Garrett Cole's gears. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I would, I would have recognized you, but you look like a little bitch with no beard now. So uh, <laughs> that's that's why I didn't recognize you. Mm-hmm. Oh. looks like a little Dutch boys. Clawson, you got one more, and we'll uh, go into some hot takes. Uh, I'm actually going to go off the script here, Jed. I got a, I got a question okay. for you. You're obviously a very close companion of Brock Holt. I am. Therefore, very close companion and some would say mentor of Griff Holt. Yes. Griff Holt's what? Four years old? Something like that. Yeah. So this is a, a two-part question. Okay. So comes around. He's obviously going to the majors. Mm-hmm. Like 20, 35. Let's say he's what? Oh. What does that leave him? 19 years 19. old? It's fair. That's Maybe like one Soto territory. What, a, what draft position is he going? Hmm. Like, are we talking first? Are we? Is he going to be a late round steal like Mike Trout, or is mm. he going to be like Mike Piazza, like 60th? Drafted out of high school, go back to college. You know what? I think, I think Griff is going to be um, a second round pick, and, and that's going to motivate him to be like a perennial all star because he's going to be like. Um, Okay. Like you're like, you're not going to like get taken in the second round and then go back to school. Like you're going to be like, all right, yeah, all right, fine. Like I got taken in the second round. Like it's, you know, I guess that's cool. And then he's just going to become a perennial all-star. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, yeah, I would say he's a second round pick. Um, but I can see him being like, like taken by like a national league team. All right. And then second part of the question, you kind of answered it a little bit. What are his all-star, uh, not all-star hall of fame chances. Hmm. I mean, Brock was so close to breaking the American League home run record. You got to think that he's going to follow that up. Also, it's the only postseason cycle of all time. So that's true. Nobody um, likes to talk about that one. Yeah, yeah, no one does like. Oh, that. by the way, when I was looking for stuff for this episode, I found uh, a very nice Yankees fan uh, for my camera roll from like 2018 on the MLB post with Brock Holt hitting the cycle, and he was absolutely trashing the guy, calling him a fraud for. Uh, hitting the home run off a position player. And I was like, buddy, you suck. Like, oh, get out of here. Do. It's not, it's oh, not his understand. fault that his teammates bludgeoned the Yankees to death and a position player had to be in the game. I'm sure Brock would have faced a regular pitcher if the game were closer, um, but it, in fact, was not because was Luis not. Severino forgot what time the game started. So, like, that's that's your guy's fault. That's he that's did. not Brock's fault. He did. The but, Red Sox scored a lot of runs off him. A, yeah, a lot I, of them. that's the thing. Like, if I, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but if I ever did get a Hall of Fame vote, I would vote for Brock Holt. And, more, like, the crazy thing is more people in that circle 
would be outraged by me voting for Brock Holt for the Hall of Fame than like the losers that hand in a blank ballot and want to be heralded as like heroes. Yeah, that guy last I mean, week. Doing that. I can't yeah. stand that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. like literally, you know, John Heyman being like, that takes deserve it. so much guts and bravery to hand in a blank piece of paper. And it's like, all right, well, how about the guts and bravery that I have to vote for Brock Holt um, for the Hall of Fame? Like, are you going to commend me for that? Because I feel like I should be commended for that for that vote. I'm really yeah. going on a limb. Yeah, imagine writing 50 years and building up all your credibility just to do that. Like, what a what a guy. Horrible. Brock and Griff going to be a pair of father and son in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Pretty horrible. Sh- so, that happens. Yeah, uh, let's move into the last uh, last topic here. We'll throw out some hot takes and then uh, some closing closing thoughts for Jared. Um, who wants to? Steve, you want to start? You got, I think, the best one. Okay, so this, I brought this up in episode three, which is part of the episode that I think you saw, Jared. Mm-hmm. I said, Anderald Simmons, I'm a big fan of him. Gardy's not. If you put him on the Yankees, Instead of Derek Jeter for his entire tenure, the Yankees still win all their rings that they won with Derek Jeter. Correct. Absolutely, right? They yes. these two. Well, no, you're making no, 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 a Hall no, of Fame case for him already. Steve, you were telling us that he was better than Derek Jeter. I didn't say he was better. I did not say he was better. I, I said, mean, I bet if you looked at like, if you looked at Andrelton Simmons' wins above replacement. Yeah, his like net rating is as good as Derek Jeter's probably better I, I would bet like from his age like whatever their first full seasons were up until like i don't even know how how old simmons is right now what is he like 31 he's like 30 yeah if you were to do like age 23 i don't know what year he came up but like 23 to 30 mm, i bet it's close it de- it i think it is very close yeah his average was coming around and then he hurt like his knee or something and yeah like if you're if you're like a yankee fan you'd be like yeah but what about like you know the mr november home run it's like yeah that was one game like they won six ranks or whatever it was like five what did they get they got yeah. uh they won 96 98 99 2000 and then 2009 yeah so yeah i mean like yes i agree with that if if andrelton simmons if you could and it's the same age seasons of Simmons in place of Jeter in those yep. years. Yep. Yes. I still think that they, they might even win more. They might, <laughs> they, they might, they might. What, they might even win. They might win in 2001. Well, who knows? Probably, dude, the they, don't, they don't have that liability at shortstop then. Yeah. It's the answer I was looking for. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll go next. Aaron Boone would never be the manager of the Yankees. Had he not hit the game seven home run in 03. Yeah, I tweeted that, and it pissed him off. We had to talk about that. Uh, I was like, Bodie, come on. Like, Let's be true. real. It's true. Like, it's, it's, it's true. It's definitely I mean, true. It's good for you um, to be manager, but look in the mirror for a hot second for me. Yeah, so you know what the – like, you, you asked me, like, what's, like, the craziest thing that's happened because of my job at Barstool? I would say becoming friends with Aaron Boone is up there, like – you want to talk about crazy shit that I never expected to happen in my life. It is like, like being able to just throw a text to the dude that ruined a big part of like, not necessarily my childhood. Like I wasn't really a child then like 2003, I think I was a freshman in high school. 
Um, but I mean, I, at that age, what am I like 13, 14, like stopped believing in religion. I was like, this is bullshit. Like I prayed to God and whatever the hell you want to say, like up there. Like, I was like, please, I've never asked you for anything. Like, cause I had tickets to game one of the world series that year. I was like, I just want to go to the world series with my dad. Like my, I've never been to a world series game with my dad. Like this would mean so much to me. And then to do that, like just lay out for the man upstairs and then have Boone do what he did that night. Like, cause especially cause like, you know, the Red Sox were winning that game. This guy? The game was like in hand. Like it was, it was in hand. It was over. And then, it's tied and in my head i'm thinking like yeah i see what you're doing you're you, i see what you're doing god you're building up that uh that drama just so that the red Sox can rip their hearts out in extra innings and then to see the boon home run i mean that, that's soul crushing like it was life-changing i mean it was resurrected uh the next year like i was fine <laughs> after 2004 i was like all right yeah whatever this is fucking awesome um but to have that and then obviously Boone comes back and now he's managing the Yankees and he's on the other side in 2018. Um, I met him at the winter meetings that following December. So it was like a couple months after the Red Sox had won it all. Um, we were in Vegas for the winter meetings and he knows Dallas because of, they worked together at ESPN and Dallas and I were like at dinner and uh, Boone walks into the restaurant that we're at and uh Dallas like goes up to him and they're talking and like I was like all right it's been like five minutes like this is kind of like awkward to like stay sitting here by myself like I should probably like get up and like join the conversation or at least introduce myself I thought this was gonna be like a quick little thing and keep it moving um so I get up I go up to Boone and I'm just like hey I'm Jared nice to meet you and he's like yeah I know who you are (laughs) I was like okay all right well played uh thanks for thanks for uh, download rate and subscribing and checking out uh, all of our content. Um, and then uh, I think it was, it had to have been 2019. So 2019, like the Red Sox were out of it and uh, there's pictures of it. There's no video, um, but it was the end of the 2019 season. And uh, I, he was standing over at first base, like during like not, yeah, it was like a little bit of BP, but guys were like taking like infield practice. And I walked up to him at first base and I was just like, I was like, I know that you probably are going to say that I'm full of shit, but I, I hope you guys win it. And he was like, I do think you're full of shit. And I was like, no, I was like, I was like, baseball needs this. I was like, baseball needs like, like if the Red Sox win the world series and then the Yankees win the world series and then, you know, you have like, it, it's back to 2003, 2004 again, where, you know, they're going at each other's throats and they're making off-season moves because of what the other team did, not because of what they need. They're like, well, fuck them. Like, we need to load up. And, like, that was when baseball was at its best. So I was like, I hope you guys do it. I was like, I, I, I really do. And he was like, I can, I can tell that you're serious. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I mean, like, we've been cool. Like I did tweet that, like to come back to, to land the plane and circle around to the main point. Um, 
I did tweet that. I was like, Aaron Boone only has his job because he hit that home run, whatever it was, like 15 years ago, 17 years ago. Uh, and that may or may not be true, but that doesn't mean that he's not a good manager. I still think I he's a good manager. I, I think agree with that, that the guys, like, they like him a lot and they rally around him and he cares about his players and he's smart. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he doesn't hit that home run, is he the manager? Probably not. But does, does that mean that he's not qualified? No, I, I think he's very much qualified for that job. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Jared, I got to swing back to one thing. So you said like, Oh, three Oh four. Like, so I guess I'll say it. Um, two days ago, I was watching game three of the 2003 ALCS. Okay. Watching those games. So I didn't really grow up in like that time, you know, I claim to be a huge Nomar fan, and I am. That is the remaining part of my 03 knowledge that I still have. But the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry for, I guess, our childhoods was never that good. Yeah. Like, watching that game back, it was electric. Like, you could tell. So, it was in Fenway, and that was the game that they had the huge brawl. You know, Pedro threw Don Zimmer to the ground, and, like, you know, Joe Buck was pissed. Yeah. And, like, you could tell, like, everybody in that stadium hated the Yankees hated Roger Clemens wanted like would cut their leg off if somebody gave him a knife to yeah. win that series. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, back then, um, it was almost like wearing gang colors, to be honest with you. Like if you wore Red Sox in the Bronx, like you were basically saying like, you know, I'm okay with, like, I, I accept the fact that there's a chance that I could get my jaw broken today. Like, that's what it was like. And um, for me, uh, like, I definitely experienced that. Like, even, like, as late as, like, 2007, 2008, like, I went to Yankee Stadium for the first time in 2008. And it was the last year of the old Yankee Stadium. And I was wearing, like, a Dustin Pedroia jersey. And I was with one of my buddies who was a huge pussy and was wearing, like, a zip-up jacket. And I was just, whatever, I don't care. Like, here I am. Like, I, like what are you going to do? And I'm wearing this Red Sox jersey. And the game was over. And this dude literally just, like, came up to me. He was like, do you want to fucking fight me? <laughs> I was like, uh, not particularly, no. I was like, I, I'm actually kind of hungry. And we have, like, a long drive back to Boston. So, like, I don't, I don't really want to put, like, the extra time into fighting you and delaying the drive home or anything like that. And he, he was dead serious. Like he wanted to, he would like to step outside and he wanted to fight me. Um, but it was like that back then at like 2003, you know, even like Yankee fans that were around Boston. Like I remember like, you know, like I wore a Red Sox shirt every day for whatever it was like eight years. And like, I was letting you know, like, Hey, like I'm a Red Sox fan and I don't, I don't fucking care. Like if you're a Yankee fan, like, like it is what it is. Like, you know, we're not going to be friends. Like I'm not going to like you and I don't expect you to like me. It was real. Like it was a real thing back then. Um, and I haven't had a, an experience like that since 20. Well, I mean, it's different for me because like as douchey as it sounds like Yankee fan, like I, I can wear this, I can wear a fucking black hoodie. If I go to Yankee stadium, like Yankee fans look at my face and they're like, Red Sox, like that's the Red Sox guy. So when I was living in New York, people tried to fight me all the time. Like I would walk down the street to go like a couple blocks over to like my pizza place. And uh, 
like Yankee fans would like try and like start with me all the time. And like, I would go to bars and um, like, like I would be out at bars and like, people would be like, like if I was, if I was standing here and someone was standing like back to back with me, like there was like a dude that was like fucking throwing like an elbow into my ribs and like making it seem like an accident. Like people would do stuff like that to me in New York. Uh, And then 2018, it was the game four of the division series. It was the night that the Red Sox eliminated the Yankees in 2018. And I'm there with Hubs and Casey. So uh, Casey is on my right, I think. Or no, I think Casey's on my left. Hubs is on my right. Um, So we're there for the whole game, obviously. And I'm wearing a section 10 hoodie. So you can see the big 10 on my back. And uh, like after every big play that happens, like I turn to my left to Casey to like scream into the camera. So like after a while, like word starts to get like, cause I told Casey, I was like, listen, film me, but don't show the field. Like don't, if like we put out these videos, like people that see them, like don't let them know like where we are, like just, make it look like we're in the crowd somewhere. Um, and then people kind of saw us like making these videos and then it starts to get chippy and the Yankees are losing and their season's about to be over. And people like, I never really turned around like, like, cause sometimes people get the joke and sometimes people don't. So there would be times where like, I can hear people saying some really mean stuff about me and I'll laugh, but like, I'll turn around and like, maybe sometimes I'll throw a chirp back and like, I let them know like, Hey, like I'm better at this than you are. Like you can say whatever you want to me, but what I say back to you is actually going to hurt your feelings. Like what you're saying to me does not hurt my feelings. Like it's, it's, most of it isn't an attempt to do that, but you're not saying factual things. I will say factual things that will hurt your feelings a lot. And that was happening. And it just kind of spread to where people were like, that's the guy, like there he is. And by the eighth or the ninth inning, it was getting really ugly. And um, people were getting really angry with me because I was hurting their feelings. So this dude it was the seat behind me to my left and he's wearing a Yankee polo and he hears all the stuff going on behind me and these people like threatening to kill me and everything. So he like taps me on the shoulder and I'm like, great. Like this guy's going to sucker punch me. So I turn, I'm like, all right, whatever content. Like if I get knocked out, like at least we'll make a video. So he taps me on the shoulder and I turn and he leans in and he's like, Hey man, um, He's like, I don't know who the fuck you are, but if anything goes down, I got your back. Like, I'll make sure that you're okay. And I was like, wow, like, thank you. Like, I, I appreciate that. Like, I was, I was not expecting that whatsoever. But for a complete stranger to feel the need to say that, like, that just get, like, I can't with just words do yeah, justice, you. like, what the environment was like. Like, it was bad. Like, people wanted me dead. You were the most um, hated man in New York that night. Yeah. And so that's why if you go back, if you go back and watch the video that I did after the final out, I was like, 
like I was doing like the play by play. And then at the end of the video, I was like, if I can just get out of here without getting murdered, then I'll see you at Fenway for the ALCS. So I legitimately thought I was like, all right, if the Yankees, if the Yankees had come back and tied that game or won it in a walk-off, I was dead. I think, I think like the energy like was so like electric and people were so angry towards me. Like I'm the Red Sox guy. So like to them, I represent the Red Sox. I represent what's standing in the way of like their happiness. And if they had tied it or come back, I genuinely believe that like people would have just like swarmed me and like that would have been it. And then when the Yankees lost, I like, I waited in my seats for a little bit for it to get like a little cleared out before I got out of there. But even when uh, I walked outside, I was like, I'm, I was like, people are probably going to be waiting for me outside. Like I, I, if I, if I get to the train or like an Uber, it'll be a fucking miracle. Like if I get out of here without any sort of physical altercation. Um, and I remember because like the Red Sox, like, like they, they played the two games at, at Fenway and I just remember like talking to my dad and, and uh, like before I went to the game that night, he's like, Hey, just remember, you know, you're just, you know, tight, tight punches. He's like, he's like <laughs> giving me a pep talk on like how to physically defend myself. He's like, you know, like, don't, don't go for the haymakers, like quick jabs. And I, I was yeah. like, all right. Uh, you know, uh, like that's, that's what it was like. So um, yeah. When people ask me like, Oh man, did you love living in New York? I was like, fuck no, I didn't love living in New York. Like you think, you think it's fun to like, if I, every single time I walk out of my part, my apartment, like there's a decent chance that like, I'm going to have some sort of run in with someone that is actually angry enough to attack me. You, you think that that's fun? Like, no, that's not fun. I didn't enjoy living in New York, but that's, that's what it was. And that's Red Sox Yankees in a nutshell. <laughs> Shout out Nunez for making that last play. Cause for a guy who could like literally couldn't even walk. Right. I don't know how he made that to this day. Hey, yeah. We want Boston. We want Boston. Yeah. No, you don't. Also let's not forget a uh, score guy in LA game four. Yeah. He died. He's, <laughs> he's in, he's in score guy heaven. Um, that was crazy. I mean like that dude, uh, I was, you did not, you did not want to uh, get in my path during the world series in 2018 like i was eviscerating people like i had no mercy whether i knew you whether i didn't know you like if you wanted to go toe to toe like i was taking you down um that was my freshman year of college and let me tell you uh, there are a lot of yankee fans that i'm no longer friends with <laughs> yeah same with me that was my senior year of high school and i had one uh one of my friends on my hockey team he came up to me he's like dude some kid in class was talking about you he was like this kid's such a fucking asshole because he's such a big Red Sox fan. Cause like I'm basically in Yankees territory and he's like, yeah, I hate this kid so much. Cause he likes the Red Sox. Yeah. I, mean, I laughed yeah. in like three of our friends faces as soon as the Yankees got eliminated from the playoffs this year, like at our uh, house. I'm like, Oh really? No, you're out. Could be. Oh, sorry. Try being a Red Sox fan this year. Have fun with John Carlos, a uh, huge contract. Yeah. That's what Yankee fans just like don't understand is you know, they see when the Red Sox have these down years and they think that they don't have to deal with me. And then the Grim Reaper comes in October and they, they're like, oh, shit, actually, we forgot. He still watches the games when, when the Red Sox aren't in them. I was watching the updates more than those kids were. I was like, you know you're down right now? Do you know that? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I get a lot of enjoyment out of being there in, in moments like that. And, you know, guys like Dodger, uh, the Dodger score guy. And then for the Astros, it was like, I didn't, there weren't any Astros fans in the office at that time. And so I just went right for Bregman. And then that created a whole different storyline. Like I was like, I was chirping the fuck out of Alex Bregman. Um, and that's what led to like the showdown for wiffle ball was because he like admitted that I was in his brain. Like some of the things that I was like tweeting during the playoffs and like, that's why, like I've said that before about uh, like people will chirp me and be like, Oh, you're, you're tweeting about these players and tagging them. Like you think that they care what you say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. And they've admitted it. So uh, yeah, that was one of them where he just, he called into CCK and that's how we started going at it. And then it turned into, you know, an interview in spring training and then we faced each other in wiffle ball. And um, now like we're friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, anyone that's like, Hey, I don't, I don't listen to what that guy, like same thing happened with Stanton. I met Stanton in Malibu uh, like this time last year. And I was like, Hey, uh, I was like, you ever heard that nickname, big Dick Stanton? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was me. He's like, Oh, really? I was like, yeah, I also just like ripped you on your Instagram. And he knew exactly what I said. He was like, oh, was like, because his caption was like, what are you going to do when they come for you? And I said, throw a slider away. And he's like, oh, man, he's like, you got to be more original than that. And I was like, all right, then like every time that you post on Instagram, like I'm going to comment and like rip you on every single time that you post. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Love it. My so, most liked Instagram comment was on an MLB post by Alex Bregman. I said, no one's a bigger Alex Bregman fan than Alex Bregman. I think he was talking about the Red Sox and I got like 5,000 likes on it. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he obviously like the, the cheating scandal took a lot of wind out of his sails, but he was, he was the perfect villain before the cheating stuff. Like obviously it doesn't play now, but before that was a thing, I mean, he was so good and he's young and he's cocky and yeah, I mean, like it was, it was perfect. I mean, it just, it just doesn't work now, obviously. But yeah. So, Jerry, what would, what would you say is your hottest take right now? We'll end it on this. My hottest take. My hottest take. Um, hmm. Need some time to think. I'll throw mine in the. Throw mine in. Yeah, the go ahead. In a minute. Yeah, go ahead. So my hot take: Juan Soto is about to be the best hitter we've ever seen. Ever of all time, really like, the best of like just this generation or of all time. To make it a true hot take, I'll say all time. Okay. I, I think it's pretty for sure it's going to be this generation. But when you look at what he's done, so in the last, so I'll give you a nice little stat for you. In the last 70 years, so this is since 1950, he's the only player in the first 500 plate appearances. To have an on-base percentage over 400. This man only gets on base. And could be. He's, he's young talent. You can't. You could be. There's probably a chance he won't be. But he, he shot could be. right through the minors. 122 games in all four and what three levels, four levels. To give you some context, Tatis played 102 in Double A or Triple A. Then Soto's there. 
Huh? Didn't Soto spend like a week in uh, Double A? Like yeah, were, like because he was hitting, he had like an eight hundred. He had like, like an eight hundred OPS in both A ball, and then he got to Double A, and through like a week he was still hitting eight hundred or OPS at an eight hundred. They're like, all right, we just got to keep sending this guy up. Hey man, he could be. He just keeps hitting, keeps getting better. Definitely a possibility. I I have my hot take. Let's hear it. Um, <clears throat> the Padres, White Sox, and Mets will all have won a World Series before the Yankees win their next World Series. Wow. I can that list again? All right. Padres, White Sox, Mets will all win a World Series before the Yankees get their next. Yeah. I mean, the Yankees are about – they think they're contending right now, but – they're not. The world are hurting the year. They need like their big offseason move is bringing back DJ LeMahieu, who's 32 years old. Like you need to bring back DJ LeMahieu just to get back to the talent level that you were already at. That was only good to get to the division series and lose. Do you think like, they're going to get him back? Um, I think it would be funny if the Dodgers signed him. Uh. I think the fact that he really like wants to go back and makes that known is making me think that he will go back anyway. Like he's not one of those dudes that like, Oh, we'll see what happens. You know, like the, we'll see what happens guys are not coming back there. The, the, we'll see what happens guys are the, yeah. Whoever gives me the most money, that's where I'm going. And I mean, it might still be that the Yankees have to pay him the most out of any team that makes a bid, but um, I don't know how serious the Dodgers are because they have, Gavin Lux and I think they're still going to bring back Turner and then they have one more year of Seager and then they still have Muncy so I mean they could sign DJ and put him at first and trade Muncy or they could move Muncy to third um they have options it would be funny if the Dodgers signed him though and I mean like like I said the Yankees need to sign DJ just to get back to where they were and that's like Tanaka is still out there too. Like they still have to bring back Tanaka and they still have to bring back DJ. And then they still have to fill out the, the rotation spots that were left open Paxton by happen Paxton. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think it's in the, in the cards for him. I no, it's a good take. I think the Mets I'm a little like reluctant to say, but I'm big on the white Sox. I was, I was no, saying it's just before the Yankees. It's just before the Yankees. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, especially with a new owner in there, they're gonna spend some money. So I think they're ready to go. But uh Jared, you got any closing thoughts for uh Gone Bridge episode 10? Gone Bridge episode 10, closing thoughts. Um yeah, I, I I wish you guys luck. I'm happy that we were able to meet because of uh Red Sox Reddit, even though I don't know why. A lot of people in there stopped liking us. I don't, I don't understand why they're like, yeah, like that guy's fucking annoying. It's like, dude, we like, we make Red Sox baseball fun. Like we're not like, if you, if you guys want boring ass commentary, go listen to uh, that fucking, um, I don't even remember. There's like some Red Sox blog and they're a bunch of like stick up the ass type baseball fans that they don't, they don't like fun. They just like numbers in their calculators. Like we, we like numbers too, but like we like to have fun and we like to laugh and we like to showcase the players' personalities. If that's not your thing, totally get it. But for you guys, uh, it was a lot of fun to come on your show, 
this time. Uh, who's next? Is it Coley or Steve? We haven't thought about it yet. We actually are working on a former Red Sox player agreed to come on, so we might mix him in in between. So what time is Pat Light coming on? Never. You got to help us with Pat Light. He's killing That's us. That's super easy. I mean, you Pat Light – I we tweeted him out on a tweet and we were the only response and we heard nothing. Hold on. on. You made it sound like you like I I have four Twitter followers. Like I could send a tweet out to Pat White and he would come on. Just send him a Zoom link. I can talk to him for an hour. I'm FaceTiming him right now. He might be he might be with his girlfriend. I mean for him to not answer FaceTime is honestly insane. Like he He knows you're with us. Yeah, he might. <laughs> Opposite magnets. I mean, wow, he didn't pick up. That's wow. that's literally a first. That's literally a first. Listen, he struck out Mike Trout. He knows he's above all of us. So he's not. He's not though. That's the thing. He's, <laughs> he's simply not above us at all. Um, but yeah, we're planning to have guys on. And the hello, next he said, "Hello, my good friend." Listen, what just happened there wasn't wasn't great. <laughs> I, I, I want an explanation. I want to know why yeah. I didn't pick up. We're dying to know. I think we've reached out, what, four times? Yeah, yeah. a good amount. Disgusting amount. Hasn't even read our DM either. Yeah, I mean, like, if he if he doesn't want to do it, it's, we totally get it. But... No, 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 he's going to do it. <laughs> uh, he said... Oh, yeah, he's, he's in bed with his girlfriend. That's, it's 10 o'clock. Grow up. Jesus Christ. Brutal. Yeah, we're um, going to feed on episode 15 and probably Coley episode on 20. That's pretty good. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, I'll, I'll get you Pat Light. Don't worry about it. I mean, he's, Sweet. he's very, I don't know why he doesn't, he literally does like every single podcast that he ever gets asked to do. So, all right. You know how to that's, find us. That's all right. We'll, we'll figure it out. Well, anyways, Jared, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be in touch. Sounds great. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to uh, to hear your interviews with Coley and Steve. And uh, yeah, let's let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that first guest on the show. We're gonna wrap things up here. A little uh, like 15 minute segment. Just kind of talk about some news. Not too much going on for the Red Sox, of course. Uh, they signed Dylan Gossett. Daniel. 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 I don't even know his first name. Uh, Goose. The goose. All the I goose is loose. The best thing I can see him doing is just looking really good with that hair in a Woo Sox uniform. Well, yeah, it's a minor league deal worth like 750K, I think. This guy hasn't pitched since 2018 after Tommy John surgery. And through 2017 and 2018, he had like 113 innings pitched with a 5.91 ERA. So this is not a star studded signing by any stretch of the imagination don't really know why we even bothered to be honest well i mean i know three things ladies love the long ball long hair and the woo socks and this guy checks two of those boxes so well he did three of them i'm sure he can give up the long ball so yeah uh i i honestly don't understand why heim keeps signing guys like this goes back to last year with guys like matt hall dylan covey i mean we're a pro matt hall podcast but his baseball abilities can only go so far. Well, the thing I think that he's his thought process is that when he was on 
or working for the Rays organization, they're all about diamonds in the rough, guys like that. And he is just struck out, I guess, on every single one of these attempts at finding a guy for literally no money with not good career stats and just hoping that he would have the tools to develop under their system. But I don't really see how that's a good plan for the Red Sox. Maybe it works for the Rays, but we're just a different organization. Maybe the thought process is if you find enough guys that have no tape on them, you can just put them on the mountain and nobody knows what to do. Well, here's the thing is that like, I really do like his mindset. I think it's a great mindset because the mindset of going in and spending money every offseason on big free agents, despite us being really successful in the playoffs has come back to bid us a few times now. So I think it's a really good strategy, but the thing is, is that we're the Boston Red Sox. We still have money. You can go out and sign guys for over a million dollars. Yeah. And you're allowed to. It's, yeah. It's oh yeah. You're rules. definitely allowed to. That's the thing. Know that. No, I, I sent out a tweet earlier on the, the gone bridge account, which we'll, we'll talk about this Lindor chart in just a minute, but I was like, Hey, Red Sox, like, you know, you're allowed to do things now. Like it's okay. No one's stopping you. It doesn't even have to be the best players in the league. It just, no, like to be a good player. it's allowed to be someone who can at least like be all right. He doesn't have to be, no one's heard of him. I mean, I, I don't know. I maybe trust they're making, Heim, but I trust Maybe they're making Heim use his own money until he wins some games. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling pretty optimistic about 2021, honestly. Uh, I don't know. We just need a couple more pieces. I think we'll be all right. But uh, it, it's looking better, especially with the Rays dumping Snell, although they'll find a way to be good again. Yeah. Snell's not their whole team. No, exactly. So, anyway – I don't even remember this guy's first name. Daniel Gossett. Daniel. Daniel. I'm just going to, I'm going to call him Dylan Goose from now on and we'll see how he goes. And we call the bullpen. If he ever makes it to the Red Sox, like the flock of geese, the flock of geese. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, the formation, the flying V. Yeah. His intro should be, you know how they uh, like Papelbon had his song and Okujima had the Okie Doki song. Maybe it's just like a bunch of geese, like geese noises when this guy comes out. I'm pay good money to see that. I'm for it. Or it's I mean, like you know at weddings when they release the white dove after uh, <laughs> after they like get married, they just release a bunch of geese off the monster or something. The ceremonial flying of the geese for Field Dylan, crew Dylan Goose. <laughs> Field so, crew, if you're listening. Sorry. Make it happen. <laughs> Dylan Goose, looking forward to uh, seeing you pitch on the Woo Sox. Hopefully you won't get released after a month. And, uh, yeah, we're going to close out the ninth here. Francisco Lindor headed to the Mets. It's a big trade. Indians fans. Oh, I caught, like, 20% of what you just said. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Francisco Lindor is headed to the Mets. Indians fans, I'm sorry. It sucks. I know how you feel trading a superstar thinking that, hey, he might come back in free agency after one year. Uh, I can tell you guys that he's not. The Mets will lock him up. And I'm also excited because I will not be having to get a Cleveland Lindor's tattoo now. Yeah, However, unfortunately. Unfortunately. However, the Mets are looking quite scary. Yeah, they're looking all right. I, I'm sorry, Cleveland fans, because it looks like you guys are blowing up shop right now. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, – Shane Bieber is on the move within the near future, but Hey, maybe you'll keep him around just cause he's not making that much money. Hey, Baker Mayfield could probably throw a baseball if they need somebody. It's kind Honestly. of their only shining moment in Cleveland. It's the Browns Baker right now. Can barely throw a football, but 
I mean, the one silver lining for Cleveland is that they can at least develop pitchers. And once they get good, they trade them away. But, hey, they can at least get them to a point where they're they're good, unlike the Red Sox. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Cleveland, it must be a really tough place to live. Ah. You, you, guys ever, you guys ever s- seen that v- Twitter video? Just absolutely trashing the city of Cleveland. And yeah, though, like the nobody's catch- ever gone on vacation to Cleveland. No, but the catchphrase is, hey, at least we're not Detroit. So they've got that going for them. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So we recorded with Jared uh, a day before this. So his hot take was that the Mets would win a World Series before the Yankees. And that is uh, definitely looking good here. Yeah, better than ever. The bet the Mets, uh, they're looking good, no doubt about it. They are looking good. I think they're probably one decent sized piece away from really being a contender, especially with the way the Dodgers look, and especially with the way that the Padres look now. So, you know, they're really on the up and up, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah, Steve, I gotta echo what you had to say, but um when you think about it, Carabas is pretty close with our friend Jeff Passan. Jeff Passon's the one who broke the, who broke the news. Oh, saying, maybe Carabas knew. Maybe Carabas is an inside MLB dealer. You oh, never know. No. He's you very close know. with the dugouts, very close with the clubhouses, very close with Passon. I wonder if he we saw it coming. He could have. could have. We don't very know. interesting to think about. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll hit him up for some news and see what he gets right, see what he gets wrong. We'll test, yeah. test the theory. Carabas, if you're listening, let us know. <laughs> uh so you guys got any other closing out the ninth thoughts been a pretty quiet week again uh my closing out the ninth thought is that i trust heim but i would enjoy it very much so if we perhaps got a good player just a suggestion might you know throw that out there see if it sticks that's all i got um i mean my only closing out the ninth i was doing some Baseball jersey shopping. Still haven't bought one. I don't know what to buy. But I was looking on like fanatics and MLB.com. Huh? Get a Bo Jackson jersey. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. But I was looking on like fanatics and MLB.com and you filter it by like lowest price. You know who's like jerseys like 35 bucks? Like an actor. It's not the Nike ones. Andrew Benintendi. Uh, He was on there, but it's an active player. He's somebody uh, someone consider very good at baseball. Give me the team. It'll give it away. Christian Yelich. No. You're in the right league. Uh, Ronald Acuna. No. Same, right division. Bryce Harper. Yeah. Wow. You can buy, and it's not the Nike jerseys because you can't buy those for less than like 150 bucks. But like the old majestic jerseys, you can buy them for like 30 bucks. That's awesome. I uh, must be the pure amount of Bryce Harper jerseys that they pump out every year. It's like supply and demand. They, they absolutely made like hundred thousand way too many. Yeah. Well, you have no idea what to do with them. <laughs> and you wonder why the Phillies can't resign guys. They have no idea how to balance the checkbook, but that's okay. They don't. Yeah, they don't know. I have a. Uh, I have a uh, nice. I may, I may buy one just to help the Phillies out. Hey, <laughs> go for don't. it. I gotta Please get. Don't. I got to get some more jerseys. I got a nice Mookie Betts one, which I really like. Oh, that's um, useful. The funny thing is, is that it's got it's got one signature on it, 
And the day I got it signed, everyone was like, yo, you got that signed by Mookie Betts. It's actually not signed by Mookie Betts. It's uh, Darwin's and Hernandez signed it for me. So that was pretty cool. So uh, Is that like the you, only thing you had? Why don't you let him sign it? <laughs> so I went to the last game of the 2019 season and the players were like walking around the field and I was able to get down there. And Darwin's was like the first guy I met. So I was like, oh, I'll just have them all sign my jerseys. And then I had this like PR guy come up to me. He's like, you cannot have them sign. Like only pictures. I was like, all right, well, good enough. I got the future closer of the team to sign my uh, jersey. Oh, hey, Gardner, I hate to, I hate to break it to you. Mm-hmm. If you ever decide to sell that jersey, I think it's gone down in value. <laughs> it's literally Probably. worth less. <laughs> it's all right. I'll, uh, I'll cry my Mookie Betts tears into it. Uh, once we probably lose the Dodgers in the World Series this year. Anyways, my closing out the ninth thought, Jake Odorizzi. I think it's going to happen this week. He's coming to the Sox. That is all. You think so? I think so. I think the Red Sox, well, listen, they're interested in him. They've been interested. Oh, are they? Are yeah, they, interested? they They've been interested in every single person. In fact, I think they called the three of us up and we're like, hey, we're interested in you guys pitching. We're like, yeah, we're interested. Cool. Um, honestly, I think that they're going to make a solid offer for him. I really like him. He's a, he fits, he fits that piece perfectly. Like you're allowed to spend a little bit of money. He's not a great, like not insane pitcher, but he's serviceable. So I say we go for it. I think the word interest is one of my favorite things now because it's so vague that you can connect anybody with any team. Just be like, you know, the, uh, the Miami Marlins, they're interested in trading for Mike Trout. They're definitely interested. Definitely interested. Hey, I would be interested in trading for Mike Trout if I was the Red Sox. Uh, Red Sox are also – they're fully out – In the World Series. Yeah, very true. Uh, Red Sox are also fully out on Sugano. Doesn't look like he's even... Yeah, doesn't look like he's even going to be coming to the MLB. Wants too much money. But, hey, they were interested at some point. So Nobody's going to get him now, really? I don't think so. It's I think was well, wasn't his date the six? Yeah, and his deal for Japan. I was reading up on it. He it was a four year deal, but he could opt out three times. So it was one of those. If he didn't like the market now, he yeah. could just try it again next year, and then try it again the year after, and then try it again the year after. Yeah. Honestly, if I were him, I don't hate the move because he's probably so beloved over there. Oh yeah. And he's- a good amount of money it's like it's his home so makes sense those guys stay winning though like even we'll just wrap this up here um thank you everybody for listening um if you enjoyed what you're hearing go download our podcast on spotify apple music google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast also follow us on instagram at gone bridge podcast and twitter at gone bridge we'll be back episode 11 next week and we will also have a former Red Sox player on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. So look out for that. Thank you again to Jared for hopping on and we will see you guys next week. See ya.